Jesus Church College. Join hosts Richard Tamburo and Molly Inman as they chat with other faculty and guests about church, the Bible, theology, and learning the way of Jesus here in Portland. This week, we're talking about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Hey everyone, welcome to the House of Learning podcast. I'm Richard, and I got a couple of fine fellas with me. What's up? This, hey, this, I'm Crixie. This is Hakeem, <laughs> if you couldn't tell. <laughs> I love when we record in the mornings, because everyone's a bit weird. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'll I'll kick off this topic with a an observation. Like, it's quite common to, to bump into Christians have an impression that like the father's in the old testament Mm -hmm. and then like the son pops up and he's in the gospels and then like he gets talked about a lot and then the holy spirit comes Mm -hmm. so the holy spirit's like a new testament phenomena Mm. uh phenomenon sorry yeah gotta be grammatically correct above all else you know heresy's fine but grammar no no (laughs) um yeah so it's like it's a you know, thinking, oh, yeah, there's so much to learn about. Not just, um, oh, is the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? Oh, yeah, like mentioned a couple of times. But the the idea that if you want to understand the person and work of the Holy Spirit, you actually, if you look at the Old Testament, might, there's a richness there. Mm. Yeah, for loads of people, that's like, really? Are you sure? Like, have you got a book in your Bible I'm missing? Or just, you know, it, it just, I don't know. It kind of passes us by some of that stuff yeah. of like the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, right? Yeah. Which actually I've got a hunch why uh, is like, I think when we look at God in the Old Testament, we have a very sort of the words for God all morph into one. So we just, we, and we normally picture the father and that's a habit, not what the Bible says. It's just like a, a habit of thought for us as Western Christians. But in the Old Testament, we understand the distinction of the terminology a bit better. So we're like wise to it. Mm. But in the Old Testament, we kind of see like Yahweh, Adonai, the Lord, Spirit, God, like just lots of different terms. Yeah. Mm. And like the picture that comes to mind is like, oh, yeah, the Father, you know? Mm. So, yeah, it's just interesting. It's like yeah. there's we maybe got some habits that make it hard for us and our awareness then might be low. And then you guys have been all up in this for the last few weeks. Because you have had an assignment to do. Mm-hmm. Get that right? homework done. So paper. this is like, okay, well, what a cool opportunity. Let's yeah. like quiz the dudes. What did you get on your assignment? Like, did you do well? We don't know yet, but oh. we're looking at that hundo, you know? Because maybe, you know, I don't know if we want to green, light, green gets... light this podcast if you've got like a D minus, you no, know? Like, like, he always <laughs> gets a hundred, so I'm just trying to ride on his coattails. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, we're in good shape. You guys have got something to say. Yeah, well, just even on what you just shared about our assumption typically being about the father, like I got a quick thought. Um, I thought about this maybe a couple of years ago and haven't really fleshed it out much. But when Jesus says, um, I don't know where exactly he says it, but nobody's seen the father except the son. Yeah. That Like I'm going, this is a thought I just want to throw out. Like how does that kind of flesh back into Old Testament appearances and conversations with God? Like if if nobody's seen the Father but the Son, and I assume the Spirit, <laughs> yeah. then 
then what were those like who what person of the trinity were people interacting with right you know in the old testament primarily yeah. i don't know just a just yeah. a thought that makes sense mm-hmm. and i think this is a cool way we can like read our bibles in like an integrated way mm. because like the jews had a concept of of the spirit mm. and of this other son figure or messiah figure you know but it was confusing for the jews when like jesus gets identified a little more clearly as like oh that's god because mm. i mean you got like 400 years of church history where the church is like hang on a second mm-hmm. like there's one god what are we all doing here like this sounds crazy talk so yeah. they got to sort some stuff through yeah. but like what God reveals as he's like co-authoring the New Testament with these dudes, then like must have made them go, oh, and have these like aha moments of like, wait a second, mm. like like you're describing, yeah. right? I mean, that's part of what's happening in the early church, which is just mind boggling because you kind of picture the early church as like, oh yeah, God just like dropped some more tooth and they were like, okay, cool. You know, <laughs> but actually, like Jesus makes a big deal of like, hey, one of the Holy Spirit's job is going to be to like reveal truth and help you understand truth because, and we just think like, oh yeah, cool, but like the profound questions they had about, hang on, what's true here? Like, how do right. we have we missed some stuff in the Old Testament? Like, are we understanding Jesus's teaching right? How do we put this all together? Massive challenge. So then I really love that God's like, I'm going to give you spirit. And one of, the re- one of the big reasons you need the spirit is you ain't going to figure this out by yourself. Yep. Right? Come on. And then, yeah, it's Preach, just really, really on. interesting to look at our Old Testament with those kind of questions. Yeah. And when those those guys back then, like, uh, do you know the bit when Paul's writing and he's like, I challenged Peter to his face. And, like, they had, like, all of these, like, big moments where they were figuring it out. Yeah, talk and, about an uncomfortable Sunday morning. Do you know what I mean? And they didn't have, <laughs> like, they couldn't just, like, look it up in the book and be like, look, it says here in Philippians right. that. Because, right. you know, and, like, they had to go, like, with, like, Spirit Revealed Truth and be like, this is the way it works. And, like, I mean, they had to figure it out in yeah. partnership with what the Holy Spirit was saying to them, but they don't have, a, they had the data, they just hadn't processed it and presented it into yeah. now the way that we have. And we have the Spirit and we have the full canon. So for us to have sometimes like a lesser understanding mm-hmm. than they had is like, yikes, we have like a fuller, better data sample. and. Um, do you know it's like that's a really helpful lens for us to read the Old Testament through and I think like a big key piece is like simply that like just read it and read all of it because when we have I mean I'm a kids pastor so I'll take responsibility that when you kind of like start off like teaching kids stories like from the Old Testament where like it's like God the fathery stuff. Mm. Yeah. Or yeah. like when there is like a moment where like th- this person identified as the angel of the Lord appears, mm-hmm. we'll just be like, angel, don't think about who that is. Mm. So you're getting a bunch of like father, 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 question mark, question mark, father, father. So you you right. build this right. idea up and then you get to the gospels and it's Jesus, Jesus. And then you get into like a bunch of other stuff and the Holy Spirit shows up so we're like almost by a selective reading conditioning people to have those 
like weird kind of like categorization moments and then whenever you become a big person and I mean I think kids pastors or or big people pastors still kind of have like a selective like this is what I want to preach on and this is what we're going to do in our bible study and like let's read an epistle yeah that'd be fun Mm. and you don't gather the whole data sample because when you do you see that the Holy Spirit shows up all the time and you get to build like a really clear picture of who yeah. he is and what he does and I remember um, when I lived in Glasgow I was in a Bible study group and we read the Bible cover to cover in a year and this dude Johnny it, he was new to the group and he was just like I don't get all this Holy Spirit stuff like where like do you know where where did he come from do you know and like he shows up at the party late doesn't he yeah. and you're like well he, he kind of shows up at the party in like verse 2 <laughs> so <laughs> n- not really and these, Johnny was like whoa, whoa. and he's like Oh yeah, right. And sometimes mm. even the bits that we do select to read, you can kind of get so familiar with those that you miss like really key elements and like really key details that are there. And yeah, like he, he shows up right at the start. Yeah. yeah. So we should have an expectation of like, dude got the party early. So what's he been up to yeah. since then? If someone's like one of the first characters in the story. Yeah, it might be important. Unless it's like, you know, the guy in Star Trek with no name at the back of the landing party who you know is going to die. Yeah, he's you know, in 10 minutes in. But yeah, the Holy Spirit keeps showing up. So definitely an important character. I'd right. say so. Yeah. This Do you like, know what? I'm, I, I, I want to throw out a book recommendation. Yeah. Right? So if you're like, yeah, like, does the old, like, does reading and knowing your Old Testament really make the New Testament come alive and vice versa? There's a really cool book by Richard Hayes called Reading Backwards. And he's kind of got a thesis, which is kind of cool to do hermeneutics. You know, people people are not quite sure, like, is that exactly right? And just ignore that and read the book because the dude knows his Bible. Mm. And he just keeps exampling like, hey, look at how this New Testament text comes alive when we understand what's going on here in the Old Testament. And look at how, and vice versa. And it's a short book. So if you've like, if you've never read a book like that that tries to join them up, it's a really cool book to read. So there you go, recommendation. Fun. Hakeem. Yeah, I had to type that in my browser real quick. <laughs> um, to combine both of me, well, all the points that we were bringing up, like even verse one, in the beginning, God. Who do we automatically assume that it is? The mm. Father. No, like that's that's the triune God on yeah. on scene, like from get go. And then as Crooksy said, like we have the explicit mention of the Spirit in verse two. So there, yeah, there's there's really no excuse, honestly, to assume that the Spirit shows up late to the party at all. Because if you just read the verse first couple verses of your Bible, he's right there. Yeah. All right, let me throw out, like, let's get into this actual, cause we could do a whole podcast on that, yeah. but that's not what we said we were going to do. <laughs> What's your favorite, like, spirit doing something in the Old Testament, showing who he is, what he's like moment? Like, what? what's your favorite one? Hmm. On the spot. Uh, I actually might say um, in Exodus, when... There's the building of the tabernacle or the instructions to build a tabernacle in Exodus 31. And God tells Moses, yo, my spirit has filled this dude named Bezalel, who was just like a craftsman. And and then uh, uh, to work alongside him is this guy named Aholiab. And they together will build the things that go like the furnishings that go into the tabernacle. And the spirit filled 
Bezalel in order to accomplish what it is that God wanted for this tabernacle. But he was an ordinary guy. Not to say that none of the other folks that the Spirit comes upon is, like aren't ordinary by any means. But these are folks that you don't hear about often throughout the biblical story. They're just ordinary guys that were here in the midst of the Israelite camp who just had skills. And I just, I don't know. I just thought that was dope. Like, no, I love that. Yeah. Just ordinary dudes that the Spirit was like, hey, I'm yeah. going I'm to do this big thing with. Yeah. Because the moments that stick out to us are sometimes the like the dramatic moments. Mm-hmm. And this is like Christian testimonies. Yes. Yeah, right? If someone's got a story, we're like, oh, yeah, like I almost died. I OD'd on drugs. I murdered someone. God rest. You know, just like, wow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and those are the stories we elevate. But when we, well, the things we elevate also help set expectations. Exactly. It's like right? David, right? We love King David. Not to say he ain't, you know what I'm saying, to be celebrated, but. We love King David. Oh, he got anointed, and then the Spirit came upon him, and then he was the king of Israel. He wrote all of these psalms, and da-da-da-da-da. It's like, yo, that's dope. But here you got these two regular dudes that nobody thinks about who had a pivotal moment, actually, in the story of Israel. Yeah. I don't know. That's just dope to me. Yeah. The the I think it's uh, it's like shows the down-to-earthness in the in the grassroots of things yeah. of the spirit right like I love it's an invitation to see the spirit in I don't know I was going to say the word normal mm. that's a bad word because then it's like the sacred secular divide or something but just yeah. the things we think of as like oh yeah that's just like a an average human-y thing mm-hmm. you know and like being able to be a cool craftsman or being able to manage a project yeah. or like you know these things yeah. Like they were doing those skills, but they had those skills beforehand. Yeah. It's just that the spirit now used something that was for ordinary purposes to do something extraordinary. And Bezalel was actually the first person explicitly stated in the scriptures to be filled with the spirit. Mm-hmm. Like that's a big deal to me, at least. I don't know. Like <laughs> I didn't know much about him until I actually did some deep study until, you know, and even when I've read through Exodus before, I just brushed over that. And I'm like, yo. You're missing something pivotal in the story if you... Yeah. And there's something weird about us digesting that when it's in the Bible. Because, well, if you think of, like, Holy Spirit-y stuff, most people think of, like, if it's, like, word association, mm-hmm. it's, like, Pentecost, it's yep. supernatural giftings, all, all, all that sort of... Resurrection. All that, all yep. that sort of stuff. Yeah. And you don't think of, like metalworking and sewing curtains mm-hmm. and like working with wood and all of that stuff and then the weirdness is that then we think you've got all this supernatural stuff so then our brain does go to contrast that with like you know, like normal everyday stuff like there is a difference and, and the Bible doesn't bring a distinction there but then we kind of like see a little bit of like a hypocrisy and even in that thinking where um, uh, so a, f- a couple of times I have been to the Sagrada Familia like a cathedral in Barcelona it's the only cathedral in the world that's still under construction and I was last there in 2018 but I hadn't been there for um, over 10 years mm-hmm. and like seeing the progress in that and 
like you look at something like that where like if if you if you've been you'll know like the attention to detail and the symbolism and everything that's going on in there like you look at the people who are designing that and making that and like mm. i think like god is in this and you can celebrate like antoni gaudi like as a genius of architecture but like, who's this dude in Nexus? Some begin with B. I, I can't remember. Oh, what's that? What's that guy's name? Do you know? And yeah. it's like we can take something like that we can see in front of us and be like, that's incredible. But you read about it in the end of Exodus, and it's like the second, really, like the the second half of Exodus is a lot of mm-hmm. like design instructions. And maybe if you are an engineer, this is a section of the Bible that lights you up. Right. But I am not. And I find that hard to read, but like it gets chapter on chapter on chapter on chapter and like creating the space where God is going to dwell among his people. And we have also been kind of talking, been talking about that as if it's an ordinary thing. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that is not an ordinary thing, but we have this like weirdness in our minds that like, oh, like maybe like, oh yeah, Moses is a pastor. So like, boom, he's amazing. But like Mm -hmm. this construction worker, like no, like that construction worker built the house, and not. I think he was more of an architect or like yeah. whatever. Like yeah. he's a big deal. Yeah. Um, but like these guys built the house where, for the first time since the garden, the presence of God is going to dwell with His people. Yeah. Like that is incredible. So, like instead mm. of being like, oh, there are supernatural gifts, but they're also like natural gifts, and they're important too. Like you see how yeah. the spirit gives these natural gifts, and it's not that they're important too; they are just as important, like just as important. And like thinking of, um, I think I have the spiritual gift of storytelling. It's mm-hmm. not listed by Paul, but I've seen the spirit use that in my life. Mm-hmm. Do you know? I think that I'm starting to develop a spiritual gift of like organization i've grown a love for spreadsheets and paul doesn't list that one either but i've seen how the spirit has used that to help me to like manage my finances which i used to not be very good at and uh like move across the world which i'd never done before and like make sure that i like stayed productive and working hard at work which i haven't always been known for so like all of these things are like of like really big significance and we shouldn't think that the supernatural ones are like more important or yeah. less important yeah. maybe some of them are more helpful paul's like get the prophecy thing that's fun mm. like that's really helpful and like yeah sure some are some are more helpful and some are less helpful but if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are think about the things that like, i think about the things that bring me to life that I love doing and that I'm like, huh, I've kind of maybe like always been pretty good at that. Or maybe something that actually all of a sudden I I felt a passion and like a drive and like an ability to do that and start thinking about how God has been using you, maybe in supernatural, but maybe in natural ways. And like once you get to know what your spiritual giftings look like, it's one of those things where like you see it Mm. you see it everywhere mm. and it's really exciting yeah this is really reminding me of acts when i think about like 
um oh yeah like prophecy wow so cool you know mm. and then like ah, mm, yeah mm, nah, okay that's a gift yeah i guess it's cool you know but then <laughs> yeah. uh like the apostles they get to a point where as the church is growing and the mission of the church is growing like taking care of things especially when it points to like the widows mm. and like oh man just like distributing justice and and help and generosity is it's getting hard they're like man we shouldn't we shouldn't neglect one thing to do this so like yeah. who's gifted to do this mm, yeah. and they chose people full of holy spirit and wisdom mm. right and so like it's just really clear like what was needed in a moment that was like we need like someone to admin this like nail it yeah. was oh they need to be filled with god's spirit and wisdom mm. like wisdom that comes from the spirit but then it's interesting when paul talks about like and they're deacons is the the term New Testament uses. And later on, when Paul talks about deacons, he says in uh, 1 Timothy, uh, where is it here? Yeah, those who've served well as deacons gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Mm. So it just elevates, like, being gifted to do something that we don't always elevate. God elevates as, like, not only is it powerful and it's affected church, but it affects you and your relationship with God and just how like tight you are with Jesus and just how important it is to not, I know, like play down what the Spirit's doing. When the Spirit's like, God's excited to be doing this stuff in you and through you, like he wants us to notice, right? We're so good at not noticing stuff (laughs) (laughs) because of our expectations, we walk into it. So we should have like a bigger expectation to like examine ourselves and be like, all right, God, like, where are you gifting me, like, right now? Mm-hmm. You know? Like, what am, I, what am I supposed to be being faithful with that you've given me? Yeah. You know? And it's just so easy to be like, well, I'm not on stage, so, you know, I guess that's for others. Like, no, 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 no. Like, that ain't the thing. Mm-hmm. You know? There's so much more. And even the stuff on stage is super ordinary. Oh, yeah. Right? There's supernatural things that can happen, but that can happen anywhere. Yeah. So, I don't know. Not that, Okay, so to pivot back, like, even when Moses in Numbers is going, God, like, this is killing me. These people are making me lose my mind. And he's like, all right, so this is, this is what I'm going to do for you, Moses. Give me 70 folks. Give me some of them older folks. And I'm going to put the spirit that is on you on them. That's like an explicit, I mean, uh, not explicit, implicit mention of how the spirit of God was on Moses. We never got an exact instance of when that took place in the scriptures, but he's like, okay, I'm going to take the spirit that's on you. I'm going to put it on them and they'll help you lead. Yeah. There's 40 years of ordinary things of Moses and these elders leadership that we don't think about the day to day. That's why I'm going back to your point. Like the natural, what do you do? Okay. You got the manna that comes down every day. They're eating this goopy, delicious honey tasting stuff, right? Whatever it is. Um, and then they're just walking. And yeah. <laughs> but like, we got to break the camp down. We got to break the camp up. You got to have livestock. You got to do yeah, all got, of that. Yeah, everything we're, going on. We're doing shepherding. It's just normal life that God, this is the supernatural, right? That God has chosen to dwell among. So he says, okay, I got these architects who are going to build my encampment in which I'm going to encamp within the encampment, right? And I'm just like, how much of ordinary life? Is God in the midst of that we just miss because we 
automatically assume that the spirits things just has to be all supernatural. These big moments, these, um, I don't even have another adjective, but you get what I'm saying. Like yeah. I, I just thought about that as you were talking, Crooks. I'm like, dang. Like, well, think about like the Levites. Yeah. So God splits them into groups. Mm -hmm. And you think, oh, yeah, like some of them are praying, some of them are leading worship, some of them are preaching, some of them are like, well, yeah, there's some of that. But like the majority of them are like, hey, so you need to like break the tent down. You need to take mm -hmm. care of this stuff. Like mm -hmm. it's so much practical stuff. Yeah. And which is, and it's interesting because, well, like when it comes down to it, and this is a cultural thing we have. Like we've elevated loving and influencing and feeling valued by people when you like say something profound or do something profound. Mm -hmm. But like, I mean, a marriage is not built out of like, uh, you know, like a dozen amazing adventures. It's built out of day-to-day -day ordinary, like listening, responding, serving, mm -hmm. like being in it together. Yeah. Like that's that's how God's mission of like loving people moves forward, right? Like you can have the best preacher in the world, but the congregation aren't loving the city. Church is not, I mean, it's spinning its wheels, Yep. right? So yeah, this stuff is, and it, Paul even takes some jabs at it in the New Testament of mm -hmm. like, yeah, the stuff you think is important or the stuff you elevate, eh, not so much. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, in the body of Christ, you're like, oh man, you're the head. Like, nah, that's kind of like a big toe thing. Like one elbow, like back of an elbow, you know, like an armpit. Thing. The, the, yeah, like so. Yeah, just that it's just so. I mean, it's God's upside down kingdom, right? We shouldn't yeah. be surprised that constantly we bump into like, oh, I thought priorities were this way, and Jesus says, ah, no, uh, hang on a sec, like yet again. Mm. All right, well, so we milked that one. Okay, we sure did, Crooksy. You got him. Do you have it. a favorite? <laughs> <laughs> um, this is maybe like a backwards favorite, but um. Samson, right? And it okay. being a backwards favourite that, like, he gets told by kids' pastors as, like, some superhero guy, like, super strong, you know, like... The Incredible Hulk. The, the long hair, the WWE-style hair, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the Spirit of God comes on him all the time and empowers him. And you're like, sweet. And if you tell the story bad then it empowers him and he like kills a bunch of bad guys and that's that's cool mm. right right but <laughs> when you read it and you see like what kind of a what kind of a person he is and you're like the spirit has empowered him and he has chosen to use that for destruction and evil and bad mm. yeah and you're like yikes so there's that kind of thinking about that and how like the spirit's empowerment can be like abused and Absolutely. that's mm. that's scary and Absolutely. it just spoke that speaks to me like responsibility and like christ-like character godly character will then when we are empowered since we are are empowered by the holy spirit then we will use it for good but he's just like he's he's using it for killing and killing is not a good thing so yeah I'm, I'm thinking about the responsibility in that and i'm thinking about how there are times when like we know that we can grieve the holy spirit and 
Like we can either grieve him by taking what he has given us for good and using it for bad, like Samson. Or I mean, this is kind of like linking like back to something you said a second ago, Hakeem. It's like, do you ever have you ever done like had somebody that you work with, or like in college or in school or whatever, had someone that you're working on a group project with, and they don't do very much work, but they present it like it was all their idea. Yeah. And sometimes I, I, this is so interesting that you guys just did a group project, and this is your example. Yeah. <laughs> so Hakeem did all the work, and I just put my name on it. Just kidding. So the Holy Spirit empowers us to do things. And because we're not actively paying attention to what he does, mm. then we end up being like, hey, I did that thing. Mm. And the Holy Spirit is the guy in your group project who did all of the work and you put your name on it and presented it like it was your idea yeah. and your work. Mm. And I mean, as a human, when people have done that to me in the past, not I came the good professor, of course, he would never do that. <laughs> But when people have done that to me in the past, that's annoying. Like that's yeah. a, that's annoying, and I could see why God would be annoyed at that. But like you look at like Joel, and there's that big bit in Joel too where it's gonna be like, hey, I'm gonna send the Spirit on you, and it's gonna pour it out on all humanity, and you're like, boom, yes, that sounds amazing. But what comes before that is, hey, this is a mess, you guys, and then repent. Mm, yeah. And when we get our mm our characters in line with God, when we get like holy regenerated desires from the work of the Holy Spirit and we thank him for that, then when we get those moments where he empowers us to do, um, I don't know, something significant in the heavenly perspective, whether we recognize it as like quote unquote significant or not, whatever, but the repentance being in line with God's heart, peace, like that comes first because like Joe's talking about justice and like yeah. you want a heart of justice, you want to do Holy Spirit stuff. Well, let's <laughs> let's get our hearts in line. Like let's let's do less Samson is a cool guy and let's do more the people who are humble and confess and repent and come back in line with God and then they receive the Holy Spirit. And when people receive the Holy Spirit, then there is a boldness and an empoweredness and Samson shows us that that can be used for bad. Mm. But when when we have that humility and that like Christ-likeness, godly character, godly desires, then wish like that'll be used for mm. good. Yeah. And that that's so so exciting. It reminds me of uh, like the line from the hymn that's riffing on Revelation of like casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea. So that like heavenly vision of like when we actually get it. But actually the saints have been given crowns and they're not just like positional labels, but they're actual tangible like God saying, I'm actually, the way I'm going to enthrone myself on the earth is by enthroning my people. Mm-hmm. Like in, like authorizing, empowering my people. So that crown's actually like it's got dings. It's got like it's got the work of ruling on it. Yeah. But what God's actually enabling, see, and we just because we're broken, you know, like it it so easily plays to our pride or you know like comparing ourselves with each other or mm. we relate it to so many other things. But then when you get it. You're like, oh, what God's enabled those people to do is worship him. Hmm. 
like that's what it's about yeah. glorifying god and in actually god's excited to enable his people to worship yeah because then you've actually got something to tangibly interact with god over right mm. which is if only we got it better down here <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love both of those things and the sad reality is that when you read about the spirit coming on people in the in the old testament or filling people coming upon people whatever it doesn't guarantee their longevity of faithfulness. Yeah. That's the sad, that's your point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a sure. can be right? temporary. Like, you think about just even, there's so many examples, but just Saul, David, Solomon, right? Solomon isn't explicitly said of having the spirit on him, but like that granting of wisdom, come on now, like the spirit yeah. is the spirit of wisdom. So, Saul, anointed, filled, then, you know, starts to disobey, does all this outrageous stuff, and then the spirit departs from him. Yeah. And that's when all hell breaks loose for him, right? David, spirit, as a young boy, spirit-filled, boom, becomes king of Israel. Does phenomenal at first. Then starts to trickle down. His his reign doesn't end well, just like Saul's. They mm -hmm. have such parallel stories. It's wild. Um, and then Solomon follows in the same path of his father, being the wisest person on the planet. And then by the end of your reign, what? Like, what happens? What what is it about humanity? And I actually don't think humanity is as terrible as we project. Um, we're image bearers. That's a whole other thing. Anyways, all of that to say, like, what is it that's within humanity? And I know, oh, it's sin. I get that. But like, what is it about humanity that that twists and turns with the spirit that still can lead us, yeah, you know, to being disobedient and. Like think about us, like we're all believers, mm -hmm. but yeah, there's no way that we're fully yeah. obedient all yeah. the time. Like, what what is it? Yeah, you know. You know, I spent like a lot of last weekend talking about that with one of my boys because yeah. we did, we had like a which one uh, Dominic. Yeah. So we had like a go away sixteenth <laughs> like, birthday cool thing. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, we were talking about like the tree in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, mm. and how it's like it's not like a magic tree, yeah. like Adam and Eve had no concept of good and evil. Yeah. But if they ate the fruit, somehow magically, like, their cognition would change or something. Mm -hmm. Like, God told them, I mean, goodness sake, read the beginning of Genesis. Like, God's been like, hey, this is good, this is good, this is very good, here's this is good. Like, like he's, that's his language. Mm -hmm. Like, he's, he's all up in that. Yeah. Um, but then, it's like, okay, but when it comes to deciding like how to connect goodness and rightness. Mm -hmm. Like, like, is this good? Are we going to call this good? Are we going to pursue that as good? Is that worth desiring? How do we desire it? Like yeah. God actually was like, Hey, that's a thing, but, and that's a part of heaven and earth being mm -hmm. together. It's like that. Those are yeah. questions we need answers to, but you can't go direct on that. There's something about humans where you need me. You need God to actually like step into that space because I'm the only one that can guard that. Mm -hmm. So when they took, you know, they were saying like, no, I think like God's empowered us, you know, and and it's interesting because the way the serpent tempts Eve is to play to the things God's empowered her and just try to get her to do them a different way. Mm. And there's, there's something about when God empowers us and starts building that crown on us where we think, oh, I guess I can just like take of any tree. 
Mm. And it's like, no, God's empowering you to rule and reign with him, but you're still a child. Mm. And like, you have to like grasp tightly, you know, it's a real interesting one to like hold that in balance, like practically speaking, because I've seen Christians that are just like, I don't trust any of my judgments. Like Anna and I were talking about this last night. We're like, I just feel like I have a real strong sense of a judgment. That's right. Hmm. But I haven't prayed about it yet because we were talking about something. It's like, you know, okay, neither of us prayed, but we're talking about this. But like when we pray, God like might just tell us something different or show us something different, you know, and just, and, I, and we were like, do you know what? Like God's matured us and built us up. Like he he's trying to develop our ability to judge. It's okay. We've got a strong judgment. Yeah. Of course, we're, but the, the humility and child part is like, we aren't going to put any weight on that judgment though, unless we've, taking it open-handedly to Jesus and being like, if I'm wrong, missing something, like I really want to know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's just, it's just interesting how when we get empowered, I mean, people often point to pride, like we want to feel more valuable or, you know, there, there, there's some stuff there, but I don't think it's the whole story. Like exactly. That's my point. There's, yes. there's, there's, <laughs> some, there's some other weird, funky stuff that's going on when God empowers us where we just, I don't know, lose sight of who we are so easily yeah you're an image bearer that yeah. means you reflect god in a way yeah right you can't represent what you don't know yeah right come on now yeah we about to start preaching come Do you know, the other thing i like about <laughs> samson is is his imperfection because he's a very mixed character of like he's not pure evil he's like got some good motives and some bad motives he does some good and cataclysmically horrible stuff but we, we actually did a podcast a while ago on Samson. I'll put a link in the notes. If you like, don't know the story of just like, he's a very conflicted character, but it's what becomes clear in his story is not just that God's trying to empower him to change the world, but God's empowering him because he's actually pursuing Samson mm. and wants to redeem Samson. And it's a sort of tragic redemption. So it's like God gets the penny to drop, but so much waste happens, you know. But that's an interesting thing about the spirit as well. You know, just if you're feeling like I'm not having a good week, I'm not being a good version of me, mm. you know, like that doesn't disqualify you from God interacting with you. Like God, yeah, like he's, it's just, even with someone like Samson, God's dogged determination to like pursue reaching the world and pursue reaching you. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's not going to go away. And you can blow it, but God's going to persevere in that. And that's the amazing thing about Samson's story. is like, to the bitter end, you know, God is, is orchestrating things to try to reach out to Samson. You know, I would, I'd be done. Like, just, I do not have that patience, yeah. you know. But it's like this determination God has to not, I'm not going to let you go. It's just, I like, yeah. I love that about Samson's story, but I love that the way the spirit keeps being a part of it, you know, like showing up powerfully. I don't know. It just, it, it speaks to God's involvement in Samson, you know, that's yeah. what God's like. The spirit always shows up right on time. Yeah. Throughout the biblical story. And that's what encourages me. He shows up right when, excuse me, shows up right when humanity is created. Right. If we're created in the image of God, that means the image of the Father, Son and the Spirit 
Adam is formed and God breathes into him the breath of life, that's spirit language. Then humanity goes on this whole track. Then we get to, you know, the line of Abraham. I'm not about to give the whole biblical theological lesson. Grab a pencil. (laughs) (laughs) But like you go through Abraham's family and all of this stuff happens. They get enslaved, come out of slavery. They're in the wilderness. Like there's no way the spirit isn't involved in the details there. Mm -hmm. Right. They're in the wilderness being led by this pillar of fire and of of the cloud by the day, right? That seems like spirit language to me, but I don't know. We could be talking about a whole bunch of things there, but he's always showing up at the moments where they need him most. Then Moses dies. Who does the spirit raise up? Joshua. For what? To go into the land of promise. They're in the land of promise. Then they start doing all of this idolatrous stuff. And what does the spirit do? I'm going to raise up judges mm-hmm. one after the next. Because you keep rebelling, then you repent, you know, after I bring my judgment. But my spirit is going to be prevalent. You guys want a king? Okay, my spirit is going to raise up kings. Oh, you still won't listen? My spirit is going to raise up prophets. Oh, you still won't listen? Okay, well, exile. But the Messiah is is coming. And the Messiah will be empowered by who? My spirit. Yo, he's always showing up on time. Yeah. Anyways, that was like a three-minute biblical theology. <laughs> but yeah, so much more to talk about. Yeah. Well, the one that came to mind for me was when Saul has fallen off the wagon. So the spirit's departed from him, and he's like, oh, I'm now fading. Mm-hmm. And in, in grasping for what he had, he just ends up being a destructive nightmare mm-hmm. in Israel. And he's chasing David all the time, trying to kill him. So, mm-hmm. like, he's not in a good place. And I, I love in First uh, Samuel 19, so he sends messengers and the way God protects David and intervenes is by actually using his spirit to cause the messengers. So they're like running along mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden like spirits like pow, I'm going to zap you guys and you're just going to prophesy for a while. Mm-hmm. And Saul's like, <laughs> what? What's up with this? I sent you guys to do a job. What are you doing? Like. What do you mean God got in the way? God stopped you. No, no, no. Like, do it again. And then, like, eventually he goes himself, you know, and God does the same thing with him. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, my mind is blown. Because yeah. I've got this, I don't know, again, expectation, right? Of like, oh, yeah, like God's holy. When you're, like, super faithful and, like, responsible, like you were saying, Quixie, and, like, being really holy, like, then God's spirit will be, like, tight with me and he'll do powerful stuff. And not that those dynamics aren't a thing. They are. It's just that's not a box that limits God. Mm-hmm. That's how God wants to work. But if you're being a jerk, he can do otherwise. And, and I find that actually comforting. Like if I'm as dark as Saul gets, God can still do stuff. Like he can still interrupt my course if he wants to. You know, like that's... And you will. Yeah. Like sometimes I would be very, you know, in the moment. No, yeah, I'm going to like, you know, kick my feet and complain, you know. Yeah. But in the big picture, when I actually understand, yeah, I'm going to be grateful for that. So I just, that's so amazing about God's power. You know, that even someone who's just, man, heart of stone, like they're like Sauron, you know. They've gone to a dark place. 
and mm. God can still just be like, yeah, I'm going to... But the, the comedy of it, of like, I'm going to have you now, like, I'm going to put my spirit in you for a moment and cause you to just declare, like, truth and beauty and worship of God. He can use but, anybody. But because, yeah. He it's anybody. just amazing. Even outside <laughs> of his covenant people. Yeah. Like Balaam. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and that's a New Testament thing that, like, that then, and this brings it back to this, like, reading the Bible in an integrated way. Because when you've been like, whoa, God can do that, then you start noticing things where Jesus uses like different prepositions and he talks about how, hey, even like before you're my disciples or before like the cross or before you've really committed, like the spirit's with you Mm. and around you, Mm. like he's walking side by side with you, you know, just, yeah, it's a, it's a kind of interesting view we have, like, yeah, the Holy Spirit lives and operates in the church or even in the church building. Mm-hmm. Like, nah, that ain't a thing. <laughs> he like, man, outside look kind of nice. I wish I could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there you go. There's some stuff. I'm sure I'm sure there's like more favorites. But yeah. Yeah. We don't want to go another 45 minutes. So that get you thinking. <laughs> um is there like if people are like, okay, um, I'll do what Crooksy said and read my whole Bible. But is there a book or something that might be a good, oh, if you've like, this got you thinking, you're like, man, I want to like, like, give me some 30 places the Holy Spirit shows up in the Old Testament. What would be a good recommendation? In the scriptures? Well, I I mean like a resource. Oh, a like resource. What would be a good um, resource? Like any any podcasts you've loved any books oh, I know Akeem and I have both read Knowing the Holy Spirit through the Old Testament by Christopher Wright and that is awesome I find that one really helpful um, not just because he's also from Belfast so <laughs> I have to love him and I do um, but he helps. is a righteous dude he's a good he's, he's, a, he's a good he's dude he's a theology big he, he does things kind of he does things kind of thematically so that it kind of like maybe sheds more light on what the Holy Spirit does. Yeah, I love that. But then you get to know you get to know people and what they're really like through what they do. Yeah. So um, he's like teaching you. He's clever. So he's teaching you through what he writes to like infer. I know the Holy Spirit does that, so I know therefore he is like this. Teaching you a skill, that then you're gonna like okay. Well he's talking about Joel here, and he's talking about whatever here. So then you take that to your scriptures and you think, okay, well, what am I gonna see the Holy Spirit doing, and therefore, what does that tell me about the kind of a kind of being that He is? So like subtly teaching you some skills in there, so you can apply them like directly to scriptures. Mm. And I find that really helpful. Um, maybe like a little caveat in that one that um, uh, before we go anywhere. Um, he is much, 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 much cleverer than me, but he has a he has a funny take on Balaam, and mm. um, I would after you read that chapter, go straight up to like that story in the scriptures and think, hmm, what am I really going to take away from this? Yeah, because where I have ever landed is not where he landed. So yeah, just heads up, heads up. The rest of it is golden yeah yeah like all books there's always yeah. a little bit where you're like eh, nah. 
Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you should have had another extra cup of coffee before you wrote this bit. Yeah, spent spent five more minutes on that <laughs> chapter. Who was, was tired for sure? But that's that's a massive. Like we didn't really talk about that much today. But like when I teach on the Trinity mm-hmm. and teach on the Spirit, I often begin in Genesis mm. and it, like Genesis two, where like the Spirit is poised over the waters. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do you get an image of like a workman rolling up their sleeves? And like, and then when you go through the rest of the Bible where the spirit shows up and it's like when someone needs to get, when one of the Trinity is going to get their hands dirty and actually put their hand on something to move it, change it, like the spirit's always there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is funny. Because you start we to think, learn like, oh, wow. We think of like, like a spirit as being like some kind of ethereal, like whatever, oh, out there, like, oh, what is that? But like kind of like I, I came to like the Blitz version of it. But the thing that I, I've taken away from studying for this is like the holy spirit is like constantly active it's not like some like weird right there it's like always active and like rolling up the sleeves i like that like i was just like hovering above the water it's in my mind that's like in the starters block i'm about to go and i'm gonna go hard and then he does for like 66 bucks and then eternity after that so that's fun yeah i like that all right, well, there you go. That's a good recommendation. Keep you busy. Some homework for the rest of the week. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Peace. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the House of Learning podcast. This podcast is produced by A Jesus Church College, based at Westside A Jesus Church in Portland, Oregon. AJC College trains and mobilizes the next generation of kingdom leaders through an accredited four-year degree in biblical studies with an emphasis on leadership and formation. We combine classroom learning with mentoring and ministry apprenticeship for a third of the cost of traditional college. To find out more, go to ajccollege.org or follow us on Instagram to find out if this is where God could be calling you to explore your calling. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share it with someone. And if you have a question you'd like us to chat about, please let us know. You can email us at podcast at ajccollege.org. If you can, send us a 20-second audio recording saying who you are and where you're from, along with your question, and we'd love to include it in a future episode.